Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Chargers podcast. Uh, for really a story, back after a loss. Um, got a few few things to talk about about the game. And, uh, you know, some positives to say, isn't there, actually, really? It's not all bad. Yeah. No, it's not all bad. Um, obviously, there was uh, uh, Joey Bosa's performance, um, the return of um, Austin Eckler. Um, so, obviously, and I, I think, to be honest, there was some a few surprise performances as well for certain players that we'd not written off, but we had been disappointed in recently. Um, like Michael Davis, I think he played really well. Jenkins played really well. Like, so there was there was some individual performances that were really good. It, obviously, it just ended in the, the prototypical loss. Familiar, <laughs> um, familiar story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like you said, it's been one of those. Uh, it's been one of those seasons, shall we say? It definitely has, hasn't it? We were just talking just before we came on about how it's been. Familiar story for the Chargers to be pretty competitive and if not better statistically, but um, coming out on the wrong side of the, the result. And it was one of those again, wasn't it, where we've got more yards, we've got more passing yards, more uh, ground yards, we won the turnover battle. That was something that we've also been preaching, got all the coaching staff have been preaching for a long time. Yep. And um, yeah, obviously, won it quite handily as well, three to one. Yeah. Um, but just didn't go our way. Um, slightly won the turnover, but by four seconds as well. Another, another one to chalk <laughs> up. But yeah, obviously it's one of them. And it, to be fair, I was watching it on Sunday and I was thinking, we're in this, but I don't feel like it. Yeah. I don't feel like they're going to win it. I don't feel like they're going to come back. I don't feel like there's going to be, you know, a big play made or maybe that's indicative of the season we've been having in my kind of mentality at the moment of this team. But I never felt like they were a play away or they were going to turn the tide. I don't know how you felt. Do you feel similar or am I on my own on that one? No, I, I, I did. It's kind of that inevitability of it's not like, I think that because it's been built into us, especially this season, it's been built into us that I think that with the, co- with the coaching staff, we'll just pull into this. They've got, they've got a habit at the moment of trying to nullify the momentum of the other team rather than building their own. So it always feels like we're trying to stop the other team from playing rather than try and build on our positive momentum. Mm. Like it just seems we're, we're, we're never really, never feels like we're ever really going to take over a game. And it kind of felt like that this weekend. Like we had three turnovers like pretty in quick succession mm, mm. and we come away with three points from them three yeah. turnovers. Like when you, when that happens, there is inevitability of a, this is going to go down the same route. You've got to start building your own momentum off the back of these things. Like we haven't really been winning turnover battles, but when you do be bold, be brave, mm. go mm. for it, like come up with something like, and it just feels like they're going back to the same playbook, running back to the same plays, trying to build the run game, which is clearly not working, even though Eckler was back. It's just, it's this, it just feels like it's the same story over and over again. Yeah, and obviously it's the coaches getting their own ways again, isn't it? And I think obviously we'll focus on some positives because there are some from certain performances out there. Obviously, we'll come on to poor coaching and poor coaching decisions and management of the game. But I feel like that that kind of plays into the point that you were making, really, in the fact that the coaches kind of kill the momentum, both with the boneheaded kind of calls that they're making or, you know, time management decisions, but also 
you know, just the there's not been a lot of joined up thinking, I don't think, from in terms of the, uh, especially the offensive play calling, particularly. Mm-hmm. Gus Bradley's got quite a lot of autonomy with his defensive play calling. Um, and, you know, we're not saying that's a shining light, but I don't think that, I don't think Stash and Lynn seem to mesh very well as a pairing. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like they seem to stand on each other's toes and there doesn't seem to be a great deal of, like I say, joining yeah. thinking. In the fact that we obviously know that Lynn wants to, you know, run the ball and he wants to establish that and make us a, a run first team. And then it seems that the other person then takes over the control pad and then, you know, the, the play calling goes a different way and then yeah. it gets to a crucial down and then Lynn takes over and it becomes a run at the middle or the speed option that didn't work and, and things like that. And it just, yeah, it, it just seems like there's not a one brain approach. It seems a bit two brained and uh, contradictory brains at that. Yeah. Um, in some ways on offense and it's kind of frustrating and then it culminates in you know the miscommunication which I'm sure we'll talk about and I'm sure all Chargers fans will know what I mean by by that yeah. um, at the end which was almost fireworthy in itself I would say but um, yeah. anyway let's talk about some let's talk about some good things let's start, start at the top with uh, number 97 I, I think he's one of the best performances I've ever seen from a Chargers player in recent times <laughs> he's yeah. just everywhere wasn't he yeah Joey Bosa's stats Eight total tackles, seven solo, six tackles for loss, three sacks, five quarterback hits, one pass defended, and then he got a uh, fumble recovery as well, I think. And one badass mic'd up video. Yeah, that was class. <laughs> yeah, that was so cool. It was like he, goosebumps. Yeah, it was so fun to listen. And when he's like that, because obviously like when you see like the interviews and stuff, he comes, he's like really dry, yeah. like like he seems like he's definitely one of the lads, but you can he's like re, like he seems quite so close and very dry, <laughs> yeah. Like, but when you see him just lose it, it's it's really it gets you going. Like it, it made me like if if he was if he was on my team on D, like I'd be bang up for it. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd be <laughs> fired up from that. Like just him setting the example, him setting that tempo, like and maybe that kind of. His that performance did actually kind of maybe spark some more life out of some of these other players. Like yeah, I like to think so. Yeah, stuff like that because you could you did I, I could feel though the defensive performance wasn't perfect. It was definitely an improvement on the last few weeks. Like mm. maybe that was that's literally down to we didn't really do anything different. It wasn't any coached any differently. That's down to the players building off of. Joey Bosa's performance. Yeah. I think it kind of it kind of got them going. And like it, his performance was unbelievable. It really was. It really, really was. And like you say, just just getting and going. Like this <laughs> when I was watching it last night, uh, when the Chargers released it, and when he's shouting, I'm a fucking animal. <laughs> it just made me laugh. And like they kind of a bit, bit hair raising almost. And yeah, if you've yeah, got that. Was. Um, yeah. And then obviously he's got him shouting at Lee Smith at the bottom of the pile and things like that. But then it's like a flip of the switch, isn't it? Because then later in the video, he's like joking with him and saying he just gets hyped up and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, kind of a <laughs> really fun video to, to watch. But yeah, off the back of that performance, like you say, I mean, it's got to be inspiring, hasn't it? Because if you've got a player playing like that, and he loves playing against the Bills, because <laughs> we had jo- uh, Josh Allen's debut, didn't we? When he took over from Nathan Peterman yeah. uh, a few years ago. I can't remember, three yeah. years ago would it have been? and. Um, obviously started off with Peterman and then Josh Allen didn't fare too much better um, <laughs> I think it was in LA wasn't it a few a couple of years ago yeah um, but yeah no incredible performance and um, yeah shining light really didn't really deserve to be on the losing side but 
I guess going off what you've just said about kind of inspiring teammates, things like that, he did say recently, wasn't it, that he was trying to be a bit more of a leader, be a bit more vocal. Yeah. Obviously, he's, he's been in the league for a few, good few years now. Obviously, he just got his big contract in the summer. Mm-hmm. It is time for him to step up and be kind of a... Well, he's, gonna, he's the face of the franchise at the moment, isn't he? You know, alongside yeah. Durbin and Justin Herbert, I guess, yeah. um, and Keenan. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's good to see him kind of step up and kind of be that person. And he seems to have taken a lot of responsibility, I feel like, with the media duties recently. He seems to be in front of the, the media quite a lot, and more so than yeah. I would say than he has done in his previous years. And it's kind of this growth of him as a, as a, as a sort of, not as a player, but as a member of the franchise and kind of being that leader in, in the franchise. And it's great to see. And he's definitely playing that role really well. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. I think it, it, Every, every nail <laughs> hit every nail on the head I mean we do I think people do kind of forget I know he's been in the league for a while but he's, he's only 25 mm. so he's still a young dude so maybe this he's, he was still still kind of coming out of his shell in the first few years and trying to get used to the league etc because he's always clearly had the talent he's always been he's always played amazingly well but I think that kind of sometimes you can you can grow as a man as well as a player and I think that that having that responsibility maybe this year and because maybe we're coming to the end of Ingram and, and it's mm. going to be the role reversal of him taking that sort of locker room that, because obviously we, we know Melvin Ingram is the, a locker room guy. So maybe Bose has always taken a step back because he knows Ingram's kind of that guy on the defensive line. But now maybe with Ingram coming out the door, him going back on IR again, you, you kind of, he's now going to be stepping into that role Obviously, as a big time player, but also as, as a leader in that locker room. Yeah, no, for sure. One as well. mm. Yeah, no, I've, I completely agree. Um, so, yeah, long may that continue. It kind of obviously always in safe hands as a player, but yeah, if he's going to step up and be the guy in that defensive line room, then, you know, in terms of like his personality as well, uh, yeah, more for it. Um, obviously, we're glad to keep him around for another few years, uh, getting in that big contract. And uh, yeah, like I said before, being sort of the face of the franchise on, on one one sort of in one sort of sense on one side of the ball alongside yeah. a couple of other guys obviously another good performance um, another positive performance was Austin Eckler coming back a week early um, back from his injury seemingly looking pretty good didn't seem to miss a beat really um, obviously getting his hand on the football a lot being the yardage leader in, in for total yardage yeah. um, without doing anything spectacular maybe which we're maybe used to every now and then but Definitely elevated the the level of the running back room and also in the receiving game was a big help to Justin Herbert as well. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it did help with the... It kind of helped with the flow of the game as well, like tr- trying to build with the 11 receptions. I know it wasn't like huge amount of yardage that he got, but like you said, 14 carries, 11, heavily involved in the game. So there's always... It's kind of like a safety blanket. They've got Hunter, Keenan, and having him back, that's three huge safety blankets for... Justin Herbert to to go forward into these last four games with Venice. It was just great to, great to see him back on the field. Um, he's obviously he, he kind of come out of nowhere, and now he for me he's top top five running back in the league. I absolutely love this guy, like what he's come from to get to now, and he deserves all the success. So it was really good to see him back on the field. It was it was. Um... And also to play 60 snaps as well. Like I'm sure, I mean, Lyndon said in his post-match conference that he played too much, but it's good to see him be able to say that load and not really seem to be slowed down by it. Yeah. Obviously, he probably was not in football shape, um, probably lacking a bit of match fitness because obviously he was out for a good good number of weeks. 
but didn't he, he obviously super fit, isn't he? He's he's like one of the probably one of the fittest players on the squad. So yeah, he, he, I doubt he would have even been sore after that. You know, it would have been maybe a little bit more than they wanted to, but I don't think he'll seem uh, sorry feel any kind of ill effects from yeah. that. I think he'll be absolutely fine, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's great to see him back, as you say. Yeah, definitely. Anyone else who's kind of standing out for you? Um, we usually turn to the receivers, don't we? When we're talking about the the D, uh, sorry, the offense, sorry. But um, it there was a lot of drops. I thought, and I don't want to get too negative just yeah. yet. But was there anyone else that kind of stood out for you? I, I can't really pinpoint any receivers to be honest. No, not on offense. I mean, Alan was Alan wasn't his complete reliable self, but <clears throat> you can't expect the man to be on point every game. And it, when you've got sure. White breathing down your neck all the time as well. It's, it can be a pretty tough time, but I thought he handled himself fine. I thought Mike Williams seemed a bit distant. Like maybe it was down to the play calling. The ball wasn't really going to him much. So he kind of felt like a little bit, wasn't quite happy with how the situation was going during the game. Um, yeah. And Hunter, I can't remember how many balls Hunter caught, but he, he was, he was f- fine. Like he was, he was, Pretty decent as only got seven. Yeah, so he, he was he was pretty reliable when the ball came to him. Like there was a few drops. He dropped a couple. Yeah, there yeah was a, he dropped a couple. Yeah. So, but I, I mean, you can't expect. I mean, these wide receivers, especially Keenan, have been they've been pretty reliable all season. Um, oh, for sure. You, kind of, you, you can kind of you, you can kind of forgive um, a few drops here and there, etc. I think that it, may, it kind of makes it a little bit frustrating that. Obviously, we end up losing the game, losing the game by two scores. First time we've lost by that many this season, which is crazy, really, to even say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, even is. though we've we've won most of the most of the turnover, we most well, the turnover battle and most of the stats. But yeah, I, I thought that it was it was a frust- it, it was really frustrating on offense this week. I thought that there was times of magic, like Herbert's mm. pass to Keenan Allen. It was literally it was the only place he could have thrown that ball because there was people breathing down Allen's neck and it was a really great throw for the touchdown. And then you had some other great throws, like the, the miracle Hail Mary that Guyton got, like <laughs> it that normally never comes off, especially for us, but it happened. And then there was some real f- times where you just really just scratch your head and you just thought, what is going on with this play calling? And, and mm. even some of the, uh, the players even, um, doing the plays as well so it, it was really frustrating I'd say on offense was probably be the best word for it yeah for sure I mean like I said before I'm not I'm not going to cru- uh, crucify anyone for dropping a couple of passes I think the problem was that they all seemed to win one game yeah like, obviously there's drop pass every game but that just seems to be like a glut especially like at the beginning of the game when we're trying to build especially when we were playing pretty well on defense the first uh, Bills possession aside I mean, it seems to be like, you know, on third down, just going to go to you know, Hunter or Keenan. It just seems to be like a drop. It just seems to like stall the drive out a little bit. And it's just kind of frustrating. I think, like you said before, frustrating is the kind of word that we're looking for. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, a lot of players played fine. But it's one of those things where if you look back and you think, um, you know, if we held on to a couple of these balls, then could have been a different story. Yes. Yeah. We, you know, did win the turnover battle and, uh, you know, we were able to, to do pretty well on defense, really. And there's, you know, a couple of other players that play pretty well on defense, apart from both, obviously, we've mentioned. But, but like you said, Jenkins looked pretty good. Um, not a massive fan of him usually, especially recently, but got to give him a, give him a juice. Um, yeah. He played pretty well. And also, um, obviously, never a stat stuffer, but I just feel like Linval Joseph's having, like, a low-key, pretty, pretty decent, decent season. season. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think he's been pretty solid. 
and I think it was more more of the same for him from him to be honest with you. Um, he seems like even if the run goes past him, he seems to be almost one of the first people there if it's through the middle to yeah. be dragging him down from behind, like the ball carrier or whoever it is. And uh, yeah, like I say, you're never going to stuff the stats as a nose tackle, but he just always seems to be there. I've really, been really impressed with him this yeah. year, um, taking over from from obviously from me Bain and filling that that, that big gap, <laughs> literally and, and physically yeah. as well. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I was really impressed with him. Um, and yeah, just maybe like you say, a bit frustrating in, to, in certain ways, the same sort of ways really that we talk about the offense on the defense really. And just all, just wasn't there as a complete package on both sides of the ball. And that's, why this game got away from us. Yeah, I think, like you said, on on offense, the frustrations was we kept getting ourselves into third down too many times that we were we were giving ourselves really difficult situations on third down. Like, yes, we had sixteen attempts on third down, and only completed three of them on third down efficiency. So, like, you, you too many times you're not you're not doing the business on your first and second downs, and you're giving too much to do in your third downs. And and even at that point, we weren't making the right plays, we were dropping the wrong, we were dropping the balls on third down. Like there was just a lot of mistakes happening on third downs, but it was the early down work that was putting us in them problems anyway. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it, it, that was, that was the story really on offense. And then, and then D one, like you said, we, we turned the ball over a few times and then we were giving away some silly penalties and it was yeah. just one of them ones where it's just, yeah, it was a real frustrating game. I mean, what, it was one of the better games to watch if you're a neutral because there was quite a bit of up and down yeah. and tops and t- tossing and turning and like. But it, as as the Chargers fans, it kind of kind of did feel like the same old Chargers, kind of not really working um, and not really delivering when there was chances to deliver. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd agree with that one. Um, I think, and I said this on the on Twitter on the Sunday. That the, the the sometimes the play calling gets just in some really bad situations. I think I've said it a couple of times on the podcast in recent weeks, and the interception that he threw was completely indicative of that. That yep. it was on it. I'm not. I'm not saying it's not just his fault. Just in through the interception, it was a bad throw. Um, he obviously didn't see the guy who intercepted it, but it he was in that situation because he's in third and long again, where you're yep. gonna have to take some chances. You're gonna have to sling it. And every now and then he's going to make a bad decision because he's a rookie or, you know, someone's going to make a good play. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like if it wasn't for crappy play calling, then you wouldn't be in that situation. You probably avoid the the bad decisions every now and then. So I feel like as much as I don't want to kind of take the blame all off Justin, because like I say, it was his fault that he threw that pick and it was a bad decision. But it is a problem with the play calling. It's a problem with the way that they're managing the game. And that's causing issues. It's always going to cause issues. I think he's obviously he's kind of mitigated a lot of that by being so great on third down. And then obviously we had a yeah. really bad game on third down, and you get plays like that. So yeah, obviously it's not a, it's not a problem. It's not a, a huge issue with with Herbert and throwing interceptions. It's not like Rivers last year or anything like that. But it's um, yeah, it's not being helped by the game management at times. I don't think. Yeah. Definitely. Which guess it brings us nicely on to the negative side of things. And let's start with the elephant in the room, really. The game management from our head coach was amongst the worst game management I've ever seen. It reminded me of like some of the decisions that I'd make when I first started playing Madden, when I first started watching football. Yeah. You know, just elementary time management mistakes that you just think, you know, once you get a bit more experience about knowing the game, you say, oh yeah, that's not the right decision to make or... It's quite basic, yeah. you know what I mean? And this is an NFL head coach who yeah. is blundering time away, you know, 16, 17 seconds, wasn't it, at the end of the first half, just to mm-hmm. punt and 
he always seems just a bit a hair late, or well, more than a hair late on, on timeouts a lot of the time. Obviously, there was timeout debacle later on in the game as well, which kind of cost the chance to potentially tie it up and get an onside kick. Obviously, it's incredibly unlikely, but obviously, you know, to have a chance is a chance, and to not is, is not. So, yeah, it's completely frustrating. And then, obviously, we had the play calls at the end of the game with the, the run on after the Hail Mary, and also then the I, I, I'm actually in disbelief that the offensive line drops in pass protection for a QB sneak and you've got your franchise quarterback out there running that play when you've got you know a, a backup to do that job. It's oh, I don't know. If if Herbert had got injured on that on that play, he might as well just handed him handed in his uniform and his yeah. with whistle and just fired himself, really, because that's yeah. it, it would have been horrendous. It would have been yeah, especially the week after we've lost Joe Burrow as well. Um, from you know, Not the same injury, but or the same sort of situation, but obviously it's going to have a massive effect on the Bengals moving forward. And yeah, it would have been just a catastrophic decision, really. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier on about this doesn't seem to be this sort of tandem, especially on offence, with what the vision of what they're trying to create on offence and how these how these coordinators are trying to marry it up with what Lynn's looking for. Like you've got a running backs coach with a quarterback coach, offensive um, offensive play caller, and it just seemed to be there's sort of like no no real de- the decision. If 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 Stoichen's in charge of the decision making, it should be bang bang bang. But it seems like they're like. Do we do this? And then they're waiting for a confirmation from the head coach or someone else in the room to make a stand. Like if Lynn's in charge of this, he needs to start being a little bit more on the ball because there's no anticipation with how these games are ebbing and flowing. Like it just seems to be like we're kind of going where the game's evolving. So if the game's evolving in this direction, we're just following it. We're Mm. not making our own stance within the game to reflect the outcome of these games we're just trying to keep up with how the game's going and it comes down to key decisions in key moments and even simple decisions in simple moments it seems to Mm. be that there's no real there's no real thought process going into how things are going on during the game and reacting to them quick enough do you know what i mean regardless if it's oh how many seconds are on this clock Oh right, okay. We can do this here. There's there's been moments of it, but it, it needs to be a lot quicker, and yeah. it needs to anticipate it and, and identify these problems a lot quicker. And it just seems to be like that's not happening. Whether it's on the defensive side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball, it still comes back to Anthony Lynn. You're the head coach. You should be one. You should be a good communicator. That's yeah. your job. You are in charge of these guys, this whole roster. You should communicate and get this going. Whether it might be the right call, the wrong call, we can, we, we, we live with that, but not this dithering sort of what's going on during the game. Mm. Like it just seems to be like that. There's always one, two, three, every game that you're just scratching your head, thinking like, "What are you doing here, man?" Like, yeah, this yeah. this should be. A pretty simple, a pretty simple call, or at least a, some in some respects a bold call because you're you're you you're the head coach. Make a decision, stand by it, go for it, and and try and and be brave. 
like there's no courage in some of these these calls as well so it was it was one of them ones where i think it re- this weekend really did highlight the difference between the two teams there is the the, the rosters are very similar talent wise the court, both quarterbacks are playing well the run games aren't brilliant the offensive lines are okay defenses are playing okay but they're not brilliant there's a few standout players roster wise talent wise both them rosters are very 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 similar one team is like eight and three. The other team's three and eight. Mm. Like, what's the difference? Because there's not really much difference between the talents of the roster. The difference is one's well coached and one's not. And yeah. it really, really, really did get highlighted this weekend. It really did because there was that symmetry, symmetry wasn't there, between the two records obviously being polar opposites of each other. And then, like you say, you've had made a really good point about the talent levels and the kind of makeup of the rosters as well. Um yeah, and one team's going to go to the playoffs, probably maybe even win the division, and the other team, like you say, is, is as Lincoln Bizarrely said uh, yesterday, that it's uh, that was playoff, so playoff, hunt, playoff hunt's over kind of thing. But yeah, it's it's very weird, and it, it kind of goes back to what we've kind of been saying over the past few weeks, is that when the decisions come in the wrong places, like the, the, the kind of calls to go for it, the kind of calls to not go for it, the not the trick plays, but the the unusual play calls. They're always done at the wrong time or they seem to always be kind of done at the wrong time. And when it seems really obvious that they're going to do something, they always yeah. do the obvious. And then when it seems like they're not going to do something obvious, they're going to try to kind of, not like I say, not pull out a trick play, but do something a little bit different. The defense seems to know that they're going to do it. <laughs> and it yeah. just doesn't, it's maddening because you think if you switched around your decisions... It's uh, you probably work really well, but it's like the the defensive coordinator on the other side kind of knows what they're going to do the whole time. So yeah, it, it, it just never it just never works. It just doesn't seem like, and I think that then makes them second guess. And if you if you kind of turn in a corner and turn in a corner and turn in a corner, you end up back where you are, don't you? Really? And mm-hmm. I don't think if you just second guess yourself, that's the kind of the road that they've gone down, um, yep. really. And like you said, I just think it's, yeah, exactly that. One team was really well coached and, you know, Sean McDermott is looking like one of the better young head coaches in the league. And, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, you were thinking that they were both kind of together coming up and kind of developing and things like that uh, at the same pace, you know, with, um, you know, one having a young quarterback when Josh um, Allen came through and then, you know, we had Philip Rivers at that time. And you're thinking Anthony will go on and become, you know, one of the top head coaches in the league. And I'll be honest, I, I've only really soured on him over this season. I was really up for it this season beforehand. I think yeah. we both were. Yeah. I thought it was going to be uh, getting back to the playoff season of a couple of years ago. But like I said last week, this this uh, the playoff season just seems to be like more like the outlier now rather than the the yeah. norm of things and the things to come. And um, yeah, well, I think I'll be my, my thoughts perfectly clear on Twitter <laughs> and on the podcast whether you know the direction I want to go um, in the off season. Um, but I think that's what we're going to kind of mention that we're going to kind of go down this road of, of talking about coaches. And I think you've got a little project in mind for us, haven't you? Over the yeah, well, I don't know if yeah, I don't know if anyone heard it during the week, but it went around on Twitter as well for a little bit. That um, Daniel Jeremiah released a podcast with Bucky Brooks on Move the Sticks this week. Obviously, a pretty famous podcast about uh, head coach attributes and what he thought a head coach that defines a head coach and a successful head coach. So he, he looked at like um, Payton. Uh, Benachek, Reed, Tomlin, Harbaugh, Pete Carroll—they've like, all been around, sturdy for a long time, and successful. 
like, and then he, he said, like, a lot of them have got different personalities and they play different styles, but what are their main attributes that kind of links all these guys together? So this is what he came up with. And he said, what you have to be a leader. And what he meant by that was good communicator, mm-hmm. cast a vision for the franchise and build it in conjunction with the GM, build a culture around that and then cultivate relationships. So that's his leader point. Mm-hmm. Then teacher was his next point. Teacher, prioritize detail and know why, a problem solver and the developmental of players and personnel. And then the last one was be authentic, which was his most important one. He said, he doesn't want someone that's trying to be someone else. He just wants someone to be them. And he wants them to be honest, dependable and not beat around the bush. This is who we are. This is what we're doing and be authentic. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of what he was trying to get at. And all of these players, all of these coaches have got that like, Belichick and Reed just literally turn up in hoodies, like <laughs> don't really care what anyone thinks. They've got they've got an idea of what they want to do. This is the plan. This is what we want to do. This is what we're trying to build. If you're not in for it, we're trying to do it. This is our way. Carol's there. He's a bit more hyper. Do you know what I mean? Like they've all got different personalities, how yeah. they go around things with different ways. So some people are more like Carol kind of seems like he's kind of one of the lads, whereas Belichick's <laughs> a little bit more standoffy. Like, so yeah. they've all got yeah. different attributes, like but he kept coming back to all of this stuff. And then what I thought I'd do is it when I was listening to it, I was just like, this, like, it's really, really interesting. And I thought, I'll tell you what we'll try and do is we'll try and take these attributes and then that's, that's cross-referencing with the, the coaching stuff that we've got now. Mm-hmm. So obviously like with Lynn, Stoichen and Bradley, like obviously Lynn has to be the leader. So is he a leader? Is he a good communicator? Well, we just mentioned that, he hasn't been communicating. There's no real, there's no real, uh, especially feel, on the field. I feel like this is kind of split because I feel like, you know, we saw this with the all or nothing earlier in the, in the summer. Yeah. That I think like he is a good communicator, but not when it comes to the actual games. Yeah. Like, I think he's a really good, like kind of leader of men. He kind of will kind of say the right things. He can kind of rally people. But when it comes to the actual football side of things, he kind of falls down. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's because in past seasons he's been kind of hands-off because obviously you've had like Wizenhunt and Bradley, obviously both been head coaches before. They've kind of got a lot of autom- autonomy. And then he yeah. can just be kind of like the CEO kind of thing, just managing. Yeah. yeah. Which I feel like suits him way better because I feel like now that the play call that is sort of had his hand on it, it's kind of getting convoluted a little bit. Yeah. And it's resulted in miscommunications and he's kind of maybe been a bit preoccupied with other things and therefore his time management's suffered because of that. And his yeah. time management was never his best quality anyway. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty split on that one in terms of leadership. I think in terms of him as a person, I still think he's a good guy, but yeah. I've really soured him on him as a head coach of the football team that I've root for. Yeah. So, I mean... I understand what you're saying. Like, is he a good, is he a good communicator as a person? Maybe, mm. and obviously, like we saw, he's sort of hard knocks. Is that more of an authenticness than it is a communicator? Like, do we do we are they buying into that? Like, when he, are you cast when it, the next part is is he casting a vision, building a culture, and cultivating relationships? Like, in some respects, like you said, yeah, yeah, it is. But then that you've got to enlighten and. and be courageous in the things you're trying to say and mm. portray. And kind of, it feels like he's going through the notion of like, 
it doesn't feel like he believes it. Like that yeah. might just be his personality, but I don't feel like, I don't quite feel like he believes what he's saying sometimes. So in that communication skills, if you're, if, if the person you're trying to communicate to doesn't believe what you're trying to say, just because you're communicating it well, they still might not believe it. And that might come down to, is he, is he, is he sort of casting the vision well enough? Does, does you know, do you, do you know mm. what I'm trying to, trying to yeah, get across there? Like, yeah. like, I'm not saying he's not, he's not a good guy and he, he doesn't, he doesn't communicate well, but do you believe what he's trying to communicate? And then what that kind of falls in with the vision, like, is the vision that he's trying to portray you, do you believe in that? And yeah. I, I feel that there, we've kind of noticed it recently with, he has a vision of, and he's even spoke about it, that he wants to be a run team. Top 12, that's what his words were, I think. He yeah. wants to build a run game. Well, if you're in conjunction, you're trying to build a, a vision of being a run team, you should have Telesco in your back pocket to say, this is what I want to do and this is what I want to build. Them two seem on complete parallels, like completely different places because what Telesco's built or, or brought in through the door and what Lynn wants, they're completely polar opposite. Like the we've got no real run offensive lineman on the whole roster. Like you could probably argue Pouncey was okay when it, do, do you like, he was, he was at that, at maybe at Miami, but most of the guys we've got, they're better pass protectors than they are runner, uh, run blockers. Mm. Like there's no real, there's no real vision in conjunction with the GM in where they want this franchise to go. Like it, it doesn't feel like they're they're on the same path. It feels like they're completely separate. So his casting a vision and casting a culture doesn't seem to be is questionable. Yeah, because that should. It's not like he's is is his first year. I can I can excuse that. This is his third season. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This vision should be cast already. We should. Yeah, be we should have people people in that like. This isn't just oh yeah from the draft that we've had over the past few years to exactly build some units and you know we should be able to see the kind of fruits of that yeah which I don't feel that we have I know that obviously the draft is uh, unreliable in some in some ways obviously you best laid plans can go awry with with you know just missing on picks or injuries and things like that I think we've had a bit mm -hmm. of both there um, you know for example three years ago when we drafted Lamp and Feeney. Consensus, they were like one of the you know top two of the top three or four guards in the draft class. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they're not worked out for, for different reasons. Um, Telasco also drafted um, you know a couple of tackles, he's drafted a couple of other linemen as well. So, I think he has tried it, I just don't think he's been very successful in, in hitting Sorry. offensive linemen. Yeah, so I think we have seen a little bit of a plan there. But They're then, all developmental guys, though, aren't they? They kind of. In, I mean, yeah. Obviously, the tackles have been. They? We've we've had Tevi, who was a defensive tackle at first at Utah, then yeah. he switched over in college, so he was inexperienced at tackle. And then obviously we've had Pipkins, obviously recently as well, who is yeah very very, very developmental. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had a couple of good free agent signings, so I, I I don't know. I think there is a little bit of cohesion between them from the building the run game. Obviously, they had the spanner in the works of Melvin Gordon's contract as well. Yeah, because I feel I feel like Lynn did like Melvin Gordon, mm -hmm. but obviously he didn't want to stay for the money that they were offering. Yeah, I, and then 
they've tried to draft a couple of running backs. Justin Jackson's not worked out because he's been injured, although he's very talented and he's a player I like personally. They always hit on Austin Eckler unexpectedly, which softened the blow of Gordon going. Obviously, we, we drafted Kelly when we were both saying, and a lot of other Chargers fans were saying that we didn't really need a running back mm-hmm. in the in the in the in the draft. So that was kind of an unexpected pick. So I, I kind of do see some cohesion there, especially around this run first mentality that he wanted to build. But and I, I'm kind of going to steal a little bit of what I saw from one of the guiltiest charge guys. There seems to be a kind of miscommunication within the running game itself that Herbert isn't getting used nearly as much as he should be. You then have a player like Joe Reed who can be used as a gadget player, barely sees the field on offense, which is really frustrating to me because I was really excited to see him. And also then gave him snaps at running back within training camp and then never ever give him a snap at running back in the, the season. Yeah. So you give him. So Lesko seems to be giving him the pieces, but they either don't work out or they're not used properly. Mm. I do feel like do there's you, some cohesion. I don't know if it's yeah. like oh, it's not all there. I'm not going to say it's not, but um, I, I, I'm yeah. I do feel like they're doing something there, but it's not working. Do you feel with the run game that to run the ball in the new modern NFL, mm-hmm. you've got to use disguise shift motion to be able to run it better this just they're, they're not the tennessee titans like you no. haven't got 250 pound back that you can just run straight and it just yeah and someone yards. like henry you can run it 30 times a game without getting tired yeah yeah like he wants to run the ball but we don't can't run henry. the ball with the players that we've got the no. offensive line that we've got the way he wants to run it no, we don't have a power offensive line. We have an agile offensive line that yeah. Is but they run need. power plays like yeah. they yeah. run power plays like they're, they're, this they've is got, it. This is it. Yeah. So to, to go back to your very first question, do I feel like you need to run in a different way? Yeah, especially with the players that we've got. Like one of my favorite head coaches, if not my favorite head coach in the league, Kyle Shanahan, is the master of shifts, motions, doing the different things out of the same formation, confusing you know defensive coordinators. And also like misdirection and things like that. He regularly gets one of the best running games with scrubs. Yeah. He doesn't need a first round running back. He doesn't want a first round running back. You know, they give they definitely draft a type and what they've got, and I don't want to make it a San Francisco podcast, but like what him and John Lynch are doing when in the way that they build their team on offense makes it's completely cohesive. Yeah. They draft good offensive linemen. They draft a type of wide receiver that's this kind of like running back wide receiver kind of hybrid. They don't have like a big X receiver. They don't really want one. So they draft people like Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and then they get really speedy guys. And then they've got a load of speedy running backs that fit the misdirection kind of schemes that Shanahan's running because, you know, if you get someone to take one step one way and you've got Jarek McKinnon or um, Matt Brader or whoever else they've got back there, you know, they're gone because of that quick. That's the kind of thing that we should be running with our running backs. Yeah. But it just doesn't like you say you're running power with with one cut guys and it, yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and you've got agile offensive linemen that you can get out in space that you never get out in space. Mm. Yeah. You, we've got we like you say we plan our running game like we have like Quentin Nelson, Ridgie Gognito as our guards that can absolutely maul people. And we've not we've not got yeah. that. It doesn't work. But yes, yeah. yeah, so like I say, I feel like that. Yeah, you do. You need to. Well, first of all, you need to 
have a plan that fits the personnel that you've got rather than just saying like I'm going to do this and if yeah. I'm bad at it then so what kind of thing or we'll, we'll just keep banging our heads against the wall um, and yeah I do feel like you know it's kind of an old school running game from the 90s early 2000s if not later than that mm-hmm. and yeah we should be you know doing things that are a bit more creative because yeah. I feel like a lot of my excitement from the running game came about because we had first of all Austin Eckler great running back as you mentioned before Joshua Kelly, kind of a fresh, you know, guy who coming in and can kind of fill the Melvin Gordon role without taking Melvin Gordon touches. Yeah. Justin Jackson, who to me is kind of a one-cut, kind of again, more agile running back rather than a power guy. So again, it's kind of like a nice diversity there. Because you could have Austin split out wide and one of these other two backs in the backfield at the same time. Yeah. There was lots of options. And then you've got Joe Reed in the mix, who could be doing, I don't know, not always just running just jets and things like that, but doing a few different things. Maybe yeah. receiving literally out of the backfield that like we've done with Keenan a couple of times this yeah. season. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Justin in the mix, which we never had in, as Chargers fans. Yeah. And it was just had so much potential just to be this really creative running game that's then going to feed the pass, going to feed the play action, which Justin was always good at at Oregon. Mm-hmm. And here we are running power up the middle and not even being able to get inches on a fourth down with their running speed option. Yeah, so there's not that, like, it goes back to the play column, doesn't it, again? But it goes back to the, the scheming and the game planning as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I completely, uh, yeah, definitely agree with what you said, that we need to yeah. be running a more modern kind of running scheme. Well, you said they've cast a vision, but they haven't they haven't taken into account the players we've got for that vision. <laughs> well, I think we've got a certain type of player. Like, like I said, I mean, that's the vision that I had and I'm not the head coach, but yeah. then we seem to be going in a completely opposite direction because we've yeah. got a head coach that wants to do something. Yeah. So yeah, like I say, maybe we are, we have a running game and we have the ingredients to have a good running game, but not with the scheme that we're doing. Or the coaches. Yeah. yeah. And then it kind of comes back to this, so you've got like the leader communication, et cetera, that you can kind of say he's got parts of, he's got elements of uh, elements of that. Then you've got the teacher part, which Daniel Jeremiah was talking about, and it's prioritise detail and know why you're doing certain things. Like we're doing this for this reason. This is the personnel. This is what we're going for. And be clever with that, prioritising these details. And then also a problem solver. Identify the problems anticipate the problems and then stop the problems well he's definitely not got that like no you can always tell that something's happening during a game we can see it fan the fans can see it the players can see it and they do not anticipate quick enough to stop these momentum swings and it really does fall apart from a teacher point of view leadership you can question you can even hold your hand up and say he's got part of them attributes he's got part of them attributes he's even a little bit authentic really i, I do think he's an authentic guy i think he yeah comes across yeah, this is I, him. That. I do i do think he's got that leadership you can kind of say he's 50 50 but i don't think he's got the teacher part i don't think he prioritizes the detail of the game i don't think he's problem solves the game and i don't think he develops as a coach he's just this is what i'm doing this is what we're doing if it doesn't work we'll go to the next game and try it again. Like there's no development during the game. So I think where he falls down hugely as a head coach is, is the teacher part. Mm. Authentic. Yes. Leadership 50, 50. He's got attributes of that, but as a teacher of the game and to be able to coach the players during the game with a game plan, 
he just falls flat on his face. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's definitely authentic, 100%. I don't think he's trying to be anyone else or... I think what, what you see is what you get. And he, some of his yeah. good good points are his authenticity, his leadership, his kind of see how it is and tell people how it is kind of thing. Yeah, And I think a lot of players respect that. And that's kind of what we've heard over the past few years. So definitely not going to take that away from him. But yeah, the teacher part of thing kind of maybe goes back to a little bit like what I was saying earlier on, where in previous seasons, he's been the kind of just like the CEO kind of figure of yeah. the team, not really getting too close with a lot of people, kind of leaving a lot to his assistant coaches and coordinators. Which is fine, you know. It's a lot. It's what what some coaches like to do, and it works for some people. They're not going to criticize that because, in the past, you know, Bradley's been a lot better. Uh, was not was fine for a little bit, and then you know, Steichen we were kind of okay with last year. Whether that's the case now, I'm not not too sure on any of those. To be honest with you, but yeah, I, I think that you're right in the other point as well in the fact that it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier with the problem solving and the momentum. It's definitely not there. Is 100% not there. Yeah. And I don't think that that, like I said before, that, that game management kind of suffers when he has more on his plate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, 100% not there with the, with the coach, maybe not the teaching, sorry. Yeah, the teaching and then also the, um, the learning from the mistakes in the game and kind of going with it. Yeah. Because I feel like he coaches off the back foot. Yeah. And what I mean by that is like you're second guessing yourself and you think of, and obviously I don't want to talk up the Chiefs too much on Chargers podcast, but you think of the way Andy Reid coaches and play calls. It's always aggressive. It's always innovative. It's always, you know, it's kind of foot on the throat kind of stuff. He, you know, he's not going to be settling for anything. He'll go for it on fourth down. He'll want pump from midfield. And like I said before, he's wanting to do something interesting and innovative all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to watch Kansas City as much as I hate saying that. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not a fun thing to watch when you're watching Lynn flounder on the sideline and frustrating plays happen. Yeah. Yeah. I feel dirty. So, I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> so it was a re- it was a really it was a really interesting sort of segment on the on the mm. on the podcast that Daniel Jeremiah did and it was just interesting to try and cross reference that against Lynn and and also like the the I think as well they kind of the offensive and defensive um, guys as well that you can kind of tell that they're not they're not real teachers of the game and, and in some respects as well they're not real leaders of the game either so you could see a whole complete change of this yeah this kind of, kind of, kind of, I, I get the feeling and this is only from watching um i write i wrongly called it all or nothing um, shout out amazon give me some sponsorship um <laughs> yeah you, you obviously mentioned hard knocks um and I get the feeling from watching Hard Knocks that it's left a lot down to the assistant coaches and the position coaches to do a lot of that. Yeah. The coordinators didn't seem to be, and obviously it's a massive snapshot into it. It's not ever, you know, a massive, you know, full picture. But I get, that's what just the feeling that I got. And, you know, if yeah. that works, then brilliant. Because the Chargers do, do seem to have some reasonable and obviously in some ways quite good positional coaches. Mm-hmm. But, when it doesn't work, it does seem quite hands off, and then you probably don't have the respect and the kind of senior manager get the hands dirty kind of feeling yeah. when things are going south. Yeah, and if you're not gonna, if you're not willing to get down and dirty on the field and in the practices with the lads, then maybe that's where they're losing their the locker room as well. If they're yeah. not in and amongst it with them and and trying to develop them as players, 
and, and develop develop the game plan, then when you come across and you're telling people, you're telling these guys, this is what we want from you. Well, you haven't even been on, you haven't been in and amongst it with us, like you said, and and you're kind of watching from afar. And maybe if they were a bit more in the trenches with the guys, not saying that they aren't, you never know. You can, you can never really polarise that. But yeah, of course. maybe that's where some of their relationships are breaking down is that they're feeling like they're always arms length away. Mm. They're not quite with the team. And maybe there's, we have talked about on previous pods where it, it kind of does seem more of a divide between the coaches and the players this year, just with some of the things that you kind of hear in rumblings on Twitter and X, Y, and Z, like even King brought it up. Obviously that's why he was shipped off that. Yeah. They're kind of, they kind of does feel like this little divide at the moment. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, that is, it's obviously almost irreparable sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once that relationship's gone, then that trust is gone and, it's difficult to recover from it. And is that then the final nail in the coffin of the coaching staff or the team until the coaching staff's gone? Yeah. Um, it kind of feels like that way to me. Um, I kind of feel like, I don't want to say this, but I've obviously said it before on the pod that it feels like some players have kind of given up and mm-hmm. aren't playing for the, the the jersey anymore and just kind of going through the motions over the next few weeks that you know we'll see out the season. And especially when you've got the head coach coming out and saying that the playoff race is over. Yeah, that was just, I don't know what he was thinking there. Cause that's just I mean, gonna... he, he didn't he didn't say exactly those words, did he? But he kind of implied it. And it's it's even, it's still bizarre, either whether he said it or not, in those exact terms. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, it's not a happy ship. Let's say that. Yeah. And I think, like you said, I think really, this got, this game really did highlight it for me that there is, there's such a gulf between these this coaching staff and, and a few of the others in the league, but there's just, there's probably about 20 or 20, I'd say coaches, coaching staffs and NFL franchises that seem to have got, they've got coaches in the door that are putting things the right way, doing things the right way. And then there's sort of like 10 or 12 other teams that are just circling this pool of muck at the moment that are just not got things going right with these coaches and coaching staff, etc. So mm. it's going to be the, the I think there's going to be quite a, quite a wholesale chat. Already, we've we've seen three or four lose their jobs. Um, obviously, Patricia went this week. Um, you've already got Bill O'Brien out the door. You've already got um, Dan Quinn that's Dan already Quinn. out the door. Yeah. So you've already got three coaching jobs up for grabs. That they're always they've they've got a head start of trying to find their new guy. Mm. And then at the moment, you can see the water. You can see the sharks circling around David Caldwell at the Jags. Gase has got to go on it. Gase has got to go. Then there's there's us, and there's there's still a couple of others as well that the the, the crowds are going to be begging for blood. So yeah. there could be quite a few ups, uh, wholesale changes in this up and coming off season for mm, coaches. I think you're right. I think that it, like it would be interesting to see what route we go down, if at all. But um, maybe we could talk about that on another on a future part of where we'd like maybe Telesco to look. Yeah, I think I think that's something that we should cover. I think obviously we've both made our feelings clear. Unless something changes, that I'd be quite happy to look at coaching candidates in future. And I think there's a, there's that feeling kind of gathering on online, isn't it, on Twitter, Facebook, things yeah. like that. Is that we've seen quite a few um, other Chargers podcasts, Chargers fans talking about 
potential head coaches who they'd like. I was one of them <laughs> on Sunday. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely gathering pace, whether they go down that route, because there is a still sort of maybe another section or another train of thought that Lynn will be spared and it'll be Bradley that falls on the sword. Um, some people saying that Steichen's being groomed as the next one, which I think is kind of indicative of the Spanos's um, attitudes to spending money and mm-hmm. their way they go about it. But yeah, no, we can certainly speculate, and I'd be I'd be happy to to do that. It gives us something, <laughs> something again, something fresh to look forward to, and and you know, speaking about some nice head coaches. I mean, I've kind of mentioned a couple already, <laughs> <laughs> kind of doing that already. Not that we'll, we'll get Carl Shannon, unfortunately, um, which would be the dream. But yeah, we can we can we can think about that some other time. But yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like to talk about some head coaches at another point. I'm sure our listeners will would like that as well. Yeah, sure. Um, any anything else that you want to mention before we get out of here? I think we mentioned obviously Melvin Ingram, uh, obviously on IR. Um, yep. How do you think that's going to go? Obviously, you know, first of all, how do you think that's going to go, sort of short term, and then what do you think is the long term? Do you think he'll be back? Of the IR, and that's permanent now because he can't come back off um, IR twice in a season this season. Um, yeah. So what do you what do you think? We've seen the last of him. It's not really how we really wanted it to all end, really, with him. Um, obviously, we were hoping that he'd. There was obviously that the rumblings with the contract this off season. He got it fully guaranteed, and he's gone into this season. It's really not materialised. I mean, he's it's been a piss poor performance. Numbers for him. And he, he'll he'll, he'll probably he'll probably hold his hand up and say it's not how I wanted this season to go. I, was I think so. Yeah, I think that I wanted to do even if it was the team might have not played well, but he's not played well either. His he's just looked. He's just looked a shadow of himself, really. So I don't know. I kind of feel like they're. I th- I'm really, really split. I think that obviously you like the person around, but if you're not performing on the field, then really you've got to give these other guys like Nawusu a chance. And, do you know what I mean? Or, or even dr- look at drafting somebody. The, the edge class isn't amazing. The free agency class isn't amazing. Mm. I've, I've. I've kind of got an idea of where it could go later on down the line, but maybe we could do that on other pods. But at the moment, I think the only way they bring him back is on a really cheap deal. And that's don't think that's going to work for Melvin Ingram. So there's also there's a possibility of the franchise tag. For me, that's a lot of money to pay someone that's not really doing it. It's a lot of money on a shrinking cap as well. Yeah. So personally, I think they're going to be looking elsewhere. I think that you've got more chance of them franchise tagging Rayshon Jenkins and you have Melvin Ingram just because of how much money the safety franchise tag is compared to the edge rushes tag. Cool. So yeah. you, you're talking that with they're, they're sensible guys with money Telesco and Spanos and they're not going to go and hemorrhage money on a player that they feel that they're not going to get value for or at least try and get value for. So if there is anything that could happen that can bring him back on some cheap money then fair enough. But I think kind of the writing's on the wall. And it's sad to say, but I think that he's, he's a, he, the, I think that the name will get him paid somewhere else personally. Yeah. You were saying this a couple of weeks ago, weren't you about names uh, getting paid more than maybe should in free agency. Mm. I guess the only thing that we can hold on to as hope is obviously by giving him the fully guaranteed contract, that was kind of a favor to him (laughs) to kind of safeguard him against any COVID. um, Yeah issues let's say over this season obviously like you said he'll know that he's not played well this season his numbers are way down 
He's not even not even just getting the sacks as well. He's yeah just been not great across the whole board statistically. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there's a chance that with coupling those two things together, that he won't want his career with the Chargers to finish like this. Yeah, he won't you know hold them to ransom because of that, and also the fact that they did him a bit of a favor in this past off season. Uh-huh. Potentially could culminate in him taking maybe a bit of hometown discount. Yep. Um, you know, and taking a bit of a lower offer compared to others to keep him around. I'd like to keep him around. He's a good locker room guy. He's a good player, much better than he's shown this season. I know he's getting up there in age, over 30 now. Um, you know, but I do feel like it's time to bring someone else through as well. Jenny also seems really, really talented, really a lot of potential there. Um, I won't spoil too much. Obviously, he said you want to kind of talk about a different um like another podcast in the future, but obviously Gus Bradley getting asked today about Jerry Tillery moving out there um, as a full-time edge rusher, uh, probably mm-hmm. switching over Bosa moving to, with Tillery moving to the strong side and Bosa playing Leo as he did this week. Mm-hmm. And obviously we saw how, how well that works as we mentioned earlier. And I do think Jerry Tillery's got the the body type and um, the attributes to do that. Cause I think he's a bit too tall to be a defensive lineman, especially with mm-hmm. his slender frame. Whereas yeah. to be a strong side edge, playing the run well, you know, creating some pressure as well, I feel like he can do it. Um, yeah. But I won't ask you too much because obviously you said you want to kind of go into that at a later date. So uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. But yeah, once once to ponder for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like you said, I think that it's it's just as sad that it's ended with him not being able to get back on the field. Obviously now he's gone back to IA, he can't get come off of it twice. So he's kind of ended on this sour note, and you kind of wanted him to at least pick up. Especially you've got your three end divisional games, you've got your Raiders, your Broncos, and your Chiefs. Like if he kind of like he kind of he'd want to want to kind of go out on a blaze of glory and that not sure. to happen would probably be a bit gutting for him. But you never know. You never know how these contracts unfold. I think the market dictates it, players that are on it, the draft class that's on it. So it'll kind of be a mull of the Chargers will look at it and just say, We've got a guy here, we know what he's about. He's obviously not the player that he was, we can't pay him what he probably wants. We'll look at the draft class. Is there anyone on it? Do we want to take anyone from this draft class that we feel is going to be good enough? They'll probably get an insurance policy in anyway. I still feel that they'll dabble in the free agency market that they might bring another guy in, even if they do try and keep him around. But there's always that possibility there with the market and the free agency market. If if there's players on that that are off, getting off of big bucks, I can't see the Chargers pulling the trigger on some serious money for him. I think that it's going to come down to, is he around on a on a deal that is good for the Chargers, not good for Melvin Ingram? Yeah, it's always, it's always the way with the Chargers. And Tom Slasko runs a tight ship money-wise. He's always sensible. And you know, I don't have a complaint with that most of the time. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, he generally makes the good decisions. So, um, yeah, it'd be a shame to see Melvin Ingram leave if he, if he is, but that's football at the end of the day. It's a business and it goes on, doesn't it? You know, it's one of these things where we've got a couple of players that we kind of standing out there about yeah. being placements and pretty happy with both of them. Yeah. And obviously, like you say, you've got drafting free agents to come and there's always hope when there's, when there's those two things to call upon, uh, yeah. especially the draft in, in my opinion. But yeah, so yeah, we'll leave it there. Obviously, it's one for us to ponder. We're going to be talking head coach in future weeks without talk about Melbourne Ingram replacement. Um, probably not going to be talking about many more wins, as we say. You know, we've got a <laughs> Patriots uh, game coming up. Um, quick word on that, just before we get out of here. Patriots this weekend, how do you reckon? Well, better give me, a, give me a sentence. Yeah. Um, 
the disappointment continues. <laughs> what were you going to say about Belichick? Sorry, I limited you. Uh, he's always got. He's always got. He's always got. I think there's going to be one of the down games for Herbert. Belichick will probably isolate what Herbert does best. Um, we'll still move the ball. They're struggling to move the ball, but they 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 came up with a game plan against Cardinals this weekend and and finished it off. So mm. I, I, I can see them. It's going to be close. It will be a close game. It will be a one-score game. We are always involved in them. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if we won. Um, I just think that this is this is we've got much more talent on the roster. So again, it's going to yeah, come. Sure. This will really. This will show. Again, this will highlight. If anyone's watching this game at the weekend, this will highlight, or it should highlight, the difference between. One team's got a lot of talent. One team's got very little because most of them have opted out this year. When you look at these two rosters and compare them and then you see how the game goes, I'll be very, very shocked that it does not highlight the coaching staff again. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be like polar opposites, isn't it? And Bill Belichick usually has our number as Chargers and often has the number of rookie quarterbacks as well. So, yeah, not not too positive for this one. Um, I guess my sentence would be uh, take Keenan Allen out of your fantasy team. <laughs> because the the Patriots are going to give him the the treatment, aren't they? Yeah, he's he's not going to have a great game, I don't think. And that's not down to him; that's down to the game plan that they're going to yeah. um, have for him. I think um, you know, hopefully, Hunter Henry and Mike Williams can come up with the goods. And Eckler, I think it might be an Eckler as game. well. Yeah, I think it might be yeah, an... yeah. I think because we're not playing the run that well. We're not we're not running the ball that well. I think that Belichick would just say, "I'll give you that." We're going to isolate this. We'll give you that. And we'll just take you getting 14 points from that. And then we'll score 20 and we'll win. Yeah. That's kind of Hopefully. how they play. They'll always yeah. ice. They'll really, they always take out. It's no different when they play like the Chiefs or whatever. They'll, they'll just swarm a certain area. You're not having that. You can play. We'll play. We'll take away all of the deep threat. You can play in front of us. We'll tell you to kick field goals. We'll defend the red zone. We'll take that. And then we'll try and build our game plan from that. Yeah, he's the master of it. What they do? That's just how they work. Patriots—they'll nullify you, keep you at arm's length, and then kill you off when you're least expecting it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hopefully, after a summer of talking ill of Cam Newton as well, when he was linked with the Chargers, hopefully has a a poor game as well. (laughs) Give us a chance. But yeah, like I say, it's going to be an interesting game for sure. But. With the, I'm more worried about Belichick more than any of the players on the field, to be honest, which yeah. is a bit of a bizarre yeah. one. But, you know, that's him at the end of the day, isn't it? He's the master. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll be back uh, next week to talk through that one um, and uh, maybe covering one of these other topics that we mentioned, um, edge rushers and, uh, you know, maybe head coaching hires for the future of the Chargers uh, to rescue us and take us back to the glory of the playoffs. But, yeah, thanks for listening again and we'll, we'll see you next week. <laughs>